Okay, let's go ahead and uh, get started. The last uh, talk of the seminar. Battle for the Next Generation. Very serious talk. But subtitle is a winning strategy. You know, we fight wars. The first goal you have is victory. That's got to be your goal or you're not fighting the war. So let's talk about what's going on here. Our mission. You know, in the United States Marine Corps, before we go to battle, we sit down with our troops and we go through what's called a five-paragraph order. In that five-paragraph order, we talk about what is our situation, what is our mission, and how are we going to execute this for victory. That's what we do in the Marine Corps. We should do the same in church, too. We're in a war. Most people don't recognize it. So we need to understand what our mission is in this battle. And it comes called the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That should be the goal of all Sunday school classes, too. That is the mission of Sunday school also. So there's our mission. Our situation is out of Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. God is giving some instructions and a warning to the nation of Israel, which I believe applies to us today. It's very applicable to us today. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children." Peers, we've done the same thing in this country, and that's why 70% of our youth are walking away from the church today. They lack trust in the Bible because they had questions, and they're not getting them in the churches. They're not getting them at home, and they're not getting them in most Christian schools. Where are they getting them from? The world. The world is giving them the answers. So let's start with three truths from God's Word. Let's establish something, our foundation. Three truths. The Bible teaches that God is the creator of all things. That is the truth. We see it in Genesis 1.1, Colossians 1.16, and almost throughout the entire Bible, God is the creator of all things. It is not a secondary doctrine, folks. That is my computer. I'm pretty sure we've plugged in now. What does this mean? It means the Bible itself refutes evolutionism. What it means right there. The Bible refutes evolution. In other words, God did not use evolution. We covered that in the last section. Truth two, the Bible teaches that God determines what is right. I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I did not say to the seed of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare the things that are right. Isaiah 45, 19. Also, it says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth, John 17, 17. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Folks, that refutes moral relativism. You see, this is what the Bible teaches. There are absolutes, and moral relativism is wrong. See, the Bible does supply us the answers to all of this, if we trust it. 
Truth three, the Bible teaches we should train our children according to God's word. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, verse 6. And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7. What does this mean? Parents have the responsibility to make sure their children are brought up in God's world with a biblical worldview. It refutes secular humanism and secular education. Is my microphone on? Okay, I can't hear it. That's because I don't listen to myself. <laughs> Might learn something. <laughs> so let's start with the biblical worldview. There's a lot of definitions you get, a lot of good definitions of biblical worldview out there, but I like the Bible. Jesus said, Thou shall, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. That is a biblical worldview. Everything is to be given to God. Heart and soul. We have a lot of people out there giving their heart and soul over to God, but their mind is still entrenched in the world, thinking like the world. And also, as part of a biblical worldview, we must be sanctified. Those renew our minds, Romans 12, to stop thinking like the world and think according to God's word. John 17, 17, we're to be sanctified by his word. What does sanctified mean? Set apart. We're to be set apart, not be like the world. We're in it, but not to be like the world. Sanctify God in our hearts, 1 Peter 3, 15. There's a biblical worldview. Heart, soul, and mind, and be set apart. Stop thinking like the world, and use God's word as your authority in all matters. So let's get to the heart of the matter. 1973, abortion was legalized nationwide. Many Christians are having abortions today. On June 26, 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage nationwide. For many years, students have been taught moral relativism starting in their early grades. There are no absolutes. For decades, evolutionism has been taught as a fact in our secular universities and schools, and unfortunately, in a lot of churches and Christian universities. Let's take a look at some examples. Here's your national science organizations, the teaching of evolution. National Science Education Standards, National Research Council's Board on Life Sciences, National Academy of Sciences, National Association of Biology Teachers, and National Center for Science Education, all promoting evolution as a fact, grades K through 12. Here's the Life Sciences Education, the American Society for Cell Biology. They created a plan for developing the Thinking Evolutionary Initiative. Let's talk a little bit about that. Develop and implement models of successful professional development for teaching evolution. Ladies and gentlemen, do we do that for creation in our churches, have models for helping people teach? No, we don't. What you're going to see here is the world is out-educating the church. No wonder we're losing. 
Identify sources of funding to allow K-12 through teachers to attend professional society meetings. Do we do that in the church? Do we try and help our Christian teachers out in the schools? No, we don't, do we? Do you see a problem? Find effective ways to train teachers to teach evolutionary thinking. There is a need to create teaching teacher leaders. In other words, master teachers. Do we do that? No, we don't. You know, the, the, what elevates Christian education to the bottom of the barrel is when we're in a church and they say, anybody available to teach? doesn't matter what you know. Is anybody available? That puts Christian education at the bottom of the barrel, folks. It's not what we should be doing. We should be investing in our Sunday school teachers. Develop and implement models of successful professional development for teaching evolution. Develop clear messages about the importance of thinking evolutionary. Interact with communities and engage them as partners in education. And utilize social networking. They're very good at what they do. They are out educating the church. The National Center for Science Education. Resources to help you defend the teaching of evolution this is specifically for teachers when somebody brings up creation in the classroom. How to handle those pesky creationists. And parents, too. Let me show you an example I'm familiar with here. Been involved. Freshman honors class, Northern Arizona University. They were required to read this book, American Fascist, The Christian Right, and the War on America. Guess who the teacher was? Chris Hedges, graduate of Harvard Divinity School. Has nothing to do with the Bible there, folks. Let me show you what was involved in that class. Here's a quote from the textbook. Followers, evangelical Christians, in the movement are locked within closed systems of information and indoctrination that cater to their hates and prejudices. This is what that class learned. Then it goes on to say this. Most of America's fundamentalist and evangelical churches are led by pastors who peddle this non-reality belief system, one that embraces magic, the fiction of a Christian nation. This is reality, folks. This is what's going on in the world today. And you know what? Our Christian universities are oblivious to all of this. They're not even in the war. They're not training our next generation pastors to be in the war. Here's a comment from a student who attended the class. I didn't know Christians were so bad. No wonder we're hated now. This is what's being taught. They don't know any better. Let me show you a comment from one of the mothers of a student in the class. Don't Christians realize what their children will be up against? And if they do, why aren't they preparing their children for these battles? That's a pretty important question. Why aren't we preparing our children? We have all these training places, supposedly, the parent being number one, Christian schools, churches. Problem is, we're not trained ourselves. Our Christian universities have let us down. Questions. Should we be upset with the abortionist? Should we be upset with the gay rights activists? Should we be angry with the evolutionists? Should we be angry with the moral relativists? 
Should we be angry with the teachers who teach these alleged rights and philosophies? And the answer is no. We should be angry with ourselves. We have had decades to prepare ourselves for all of this, and we did nothing. No wonder we have gay rights and marriage between whoever you want. The church did nothing. We're not trained to do this. How many youth pastors can teach on this? You can probably count them on one hand in the entire country. How many youth pastors can teach on the sanctity of human life? Probably on one hand and do it effectively. How many can teach on moral relativism, creationism? It was actually at one church, a youth pastor got fired because he was teaching creation. This is what's happening in American church today. If our Christian universities aren't going to do their job, then let's do it ourselves. We can take it upon ourselves and do the training. In other words, we don't need to complain anymore. Let's just get with it and do it. It's up to us. Christian universities are a lot set in their ways. I go talk to them. Their main complaint is, we don't have money for this. And I point out, you could drop these 12 courses. It wouldn't make any difference what you're teaching. But they won't do it because of tradition. The state of Christian education. Many seminary graduates are unable to defend their faith. Can you imagine that? Seminary graduates can't defend their faith? Churches seldom bring up any of those topics, except this one. Youth leaders are unable to train their students to defend their faith. Many Christian leaders are not prepared to carry out the Great Commission against the strongholds of evolution and moral relativism. Wow, we're in trouble. Let's see if we can answer these questions. How can you call God good when he allows bad things to happen? That is the number one reason why people do not accept Jesus Christ. The number one reason, but yet most people cannot answer that. So how are you going to witness to somebody when they bring this question up? We should all be trained how to answer this. In one of our courses, we show that the atheist can't even legitimately raise this question. Folks, if you don't believe in God, how can you blame him? <laughs> it's very simple. But we show you that moral relativism is the friend. It, it, we can turn that whole thing around and show that they're, they're wrong. Because moral relativism is self-defeating. How can the first three days of creation be literal days and the sun was not there until day four? That's a very common one used against our youth. How can that be? Well, it's very simple, folks. I'm just going to go through a few of these. What did God create on day one? <coughs> Earth and light. It specifically says he created light. Now, let me ask you a question, a couple questions. We'll figure this out. What is the definition of a year? 365 and a quarter days. Where do we get that from? Right. It's the time it takes the Earth to go around the sun. That's an astronomical event, isn't it? Where do we get a definition of a month? The moon going around the earth, that's an astronomical event. Where do they get the definition of a week? The Bible. The right, it's not an astronomical event, it's the Bible. That means somebody needs to call up the ACLU and tell them to ban the week since it's a biblical event. It was tried by a country, I think their initials were France. It failed miserably. Now, what's the definition of a day? Where do we get it from? The rotation of the earth once on its axis. Do we need the sun for that? No, we don't. So we can have a day without the sun, can't we? 
See, not a problem, is it? God did create light. Now, that word for light in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, is a different word for light than he did on day 4 when he created the sun. When he created the sun, the word for light there means there's a luminary out there. There's an object out there. But the word for light, the Hebrew word for light on day one, or day one there, means it's just light. There's nothing there. Isn't that amazing? And incidentally, over 40% of creation was done with that original light. And we had a day and night cycle already before he created the sun, moon, and stars. Because what did he do? He set it up and we said we have a day, we have an evening and a morning. So we already had a day and night cycle. So the question is, why did he have to create the sun and the moon if we already had a day and night cycle? For, so we could tell time. Genesis 1.14, for seasons and years, he tells us, right? See, he gave us all the information. We can have a day without the sun. We can teach that to our junior hires, can't we? Let's go through a few more. What's true for you is not true for me. You have to know how to answer these things. That's self-defeating. In the Old Testament, God killed men, women, and children. What kind of a God do Christians worship? That's a very common one, isn't it? First question, what's wrong with killing? If you're talking to an atheist, what's wrong with killing? What's your, what's your value? I don't want to know your standards for what's right and wrong. Give me a universal standard. They can't do it. So what's wrong with killing? Why are Christians against a woman's right to choose, to have a choice, abortion? You have to know how to answer those. I've got some good news on this one, and we'll get to it. Not a hard one to answer. See, number one, we're not against a woman's right to choose her own future. We are against a woman's so-called right to choose to terminate another human being's future. And we are for a woman's right to be fully informed of what an abortion is. That's how we answer things like that, folks. Doesn't carbon-14 prove the earth is older than 6,000 years? No, it doesn't. The age of the earth does not matter. Why should we preach? We should just preach about Jesus. Amen, we should preach about Jesus. You know a theme of the Bible? Let me give you a theme of the Bible. Paradise created, paradise lost, paradise restored, and it all points to Jesus Christ. Because who's the creator? Jesus Christ. How's the last book of the Bible start? Book of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ. It's all about him. So let's preach about Jesus, starting with his creation. Why are Christians so intolerant of other people's beliefs? You have to know how to answer those. Give me any real evidence for the existence of God. Boy, we have a lot of evidence there, folks. Evolution is the fact, and Christians should learn to accept this and stop trying to indoctrinate their children with the fantasy of creationism. How do you fit dinosaurs into the Bible? They're too big, aren't they? <laughs> See, those are all questions our junior hires can learn. doesn't take a rocket scientist. A well, rocket scientist is pretty smart people. I have to admit that. But you don't have to be a rocket scientist to do this, folks. We just have to be willing. We need people to step up and say, I want to do this. Education at a crossroads. Evolution. And the idea of billions of years is confusing our youth. They're asking which is true, the Bible or evolution. Parents are concerned that their children don't believe the Bible anymore after going to school. I've had so many parents come to me in tears saying, I raised my son or daughter in the church, sent them off to school, and they won't talk to me anymore. Many of our church 
don't seem to care what our youth believes so long as they come to church. Hosea 4, 6 again, folks. Many Christian schools would love to have someone with the knowledge to teach apologetics, but they don't get them. Why? Because Christian universities aren't training them. There's the breakdown. Christian universities. Many parents are looking for some way to learn how to defend their faith so they can teach their children. Brian Yarborough, his son was murdered in the Columbine Massacre, makes this statement. Looking back, I realized that my church upbringing didn't stand a chance against all the immersive education that I had received. He now knows that. The church failed him. David Nobel, president of Summit Ministries. In fact, secular humanism is the dominant worldview in our secular colleges and universities. It has also made gains in many Christian colleges and universities. Humanists recognize the classroom as a powerful context for indoctrination. Don Barely, Ph.D. in Life Sciences, surprised by faith. At that time, 14 years old, and during the subsequent few years, I did not see the church as a source of answers. During this time, I mentally either discarded or challenged much of traditional Christian teaching about the Bible, creation, Jesus Christ, and salvation. I was asking why and could not find answers. That's why he left the church for a while. Vodibakum. The correlation is clear. If we continue to send our children to Caesar for their education, we need to stop being surprised when they come home as Romans. <laughs> Hope I'm painting the picture here. Now to the hard facts. You see that dollar sign up there? Hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars are being spent to teach students evolution, moral relativism, same-sex marriage is normal, and abortion is a woman's right. Billions, really, dollars being spent on that. Education, grades 1 through 12, our children spend 12 to 14,000 hours being indoctrinated into that philosophy. We're outnumbered. We're outfinanced, we're surrounded, we have compromise in the church, and we're out being out-educated. Not a time to sit back and say, woe is me, is it? No, not at all. This is an opportunity God has given us. When you're surrounded, you can charge in any direction. June 6, 1944. Anybody recognize that date? D-Day. That was a day that changed the entire world. It is known as the largest single invasion in all history. The combined forces of Americans, British, and Canadians landed at five different beachheads in Normandy, France. I've stood on those beaches. It's rather humbling. Those soldiers, when they came off those vessels, many of them never made it off. They got shot dead before they could take their first step. But when they came off those vessels, they were confronted with over 100 meters of ground with no protection. And they came under intense firepower, machine guns and bombs going off all around them. If those soldiers had stayed on those beaches, we might not be here today. But against all that firepower, those soldiers continued to advance and advance and advance and engage that enemy all the way to victory. 
That is what the churches should be doing today. We're standing on the beaches, not advancing. Jim Wilson, U.S. Naval Academy, Korean War. In the study of warfare, great men have concluded that there are some overriding principles that if followed will always tend toward success in battle. And if neglected or ignored will tend toward defeat or even destruction. That is true of spiritual warfare also. We have all the tools. We've neglected to use them. The plan, it's a simple plan. It's based on biblical discipleship, 2 Timothy 2.2. This is probably the best verse in the entire Bible on discipleship. Paul is talking to Timothy. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Or as Paul is saying this, Paul says, Timothy, now that I have trained you, you go out and did what I just did. You go out and train others how to teach also. That is discipleship, folks. That is exactly what we need to be doing, is training others how to teach because we're so vastly outnumbered. We need teachers in every Christian school who can teach this, but only less than 6% of them have anybody. We need youth pastors who are getting trained, and they're not being trained, so let's do it ourselves. The plan of action. Increase the number of teachers who can teach creation and apologetics. Train the next generation to stand firm. Abraham Lincoln warned us about this. He had a few good things to say. He's accredited with making this statement. The philosophy of the classroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Whoever owns the education system right now is going to win the war, folks. And we don't own it. We don't even own many of our own universities. So here's the education project. I'm going to call this a solution, not the solution. It is a possible, it is a solution. We think this is one of the most ambitious and exciting Christian education endeavors in decades, something we haven't done in decades. We want a teacher in every Christian school and every church who can teach biblical creation and apologetics. It's an idea much bigger than me, much bigger than any one of us. It'll take time. The project is designed to equip the next generation to do this. I call them the big five. This is what every junior, higher, and high schooler needs to have. To be able to think biblically. Train them on the authority of Scripture in their life. Think critically and analyze statements and challenges. We had a whole lesson on that yesterday on critical thinking skills. Refute evolutionism. Respond to the claims of moral relativism. That's true for you, but not for me. There are no absolutes. Recognize and respond to biblical compromise. This is what we did last session. Know what the gospel is, and you'll be able to recognize false gospels. That's what we call the big five. That's what we want to start training this next generation on. How are we going to do that? Well, it's not going to be me, folks. We need teachers all across this country who can do this. So here's the strategy and the implementation called the Education Project. We've already started this. We want other people to finish it. Three one-day training courses. Today, we've already trained 1, 000, over 1,000 people in these courses, one-day classes. These are the three courses. 
the basic creation training. We go through what is creation, the days of creation, how to refute compromise, the gap theory. Genesis is just poetry, 2 Peter 3, 8. Genesis 2.4, where it has the word day, and people say, oh, the word day in Genesis 2.4 doesn't mean a literal day, and they're exactly right, because it's really referring to the entire creation week. Therefore, they say the days in Genesis 1 don't have to be literal days, but they forget something. The word day in Genesis 2.4 is part of a prepositional phrase, which means it doesn't have to be taken literally. See, we need to understand things like that. You don't have to be a grammar expert. We can get the teachers trained to train these students how to do this. Then we also go into the flood. Why is the worldwide flood so important? Because you cannot have an old earth and a worldwide flood. The two will not go together. So anybody who believes an old earth has to relegate the flood to being a local flood or they have a contradiction in their belief system. How to answer questions such as, who did Cain marry? How can the first three days be real days? How could Adam name all the animals in one day? Was it really a worldwide flood? How could Noah fit all the creatures on the ark? Is the Big Bang biblical? We, those are all taught in this class. Or how about, why is the universe so big? Those are all taught. Then how to dismantle the four pillars of evolutionism. That's all in one course. And it, all these courses are certified through ACSI for one continuing education unit for teachers. We go above their standards. Then we have the advanced apologetics for teens and above, mostly high school and above. The scientific evidence and, and biblical evidence for the existence of God. How can you call God good when he allows bad things to happen? Critical thinking skills. How to turn the situation around to put you on the offense and them on the defense. Then we have the one, how to teach according to God's ways. What are your teaching methods? Again, these are not things you learn in the Christian colleges. Those are our three one-day classes. We lose about $12,000 a year on these courses. We charge $45 a student. We don't charge the church. We pay our own travel. We pay our own food and our own hotel. And we're a ministry. And we don't take a salary. Good old Social Security. You're not going to get any. <laughs> I'm taking it. <laughs> so I let you know. You're going to have to work until you're 90. <laughs> yeah, the Lord will probably come back before then anyway. We hope. We lose money, and people don't, $45 is a lot for some people, and if they don't have the money, we just say come. We will never let money be an issue if somebody cannot learn God's word. That's the kind of ministry we are. We only charge $25 for students. This is a full-day class, and we buy lunch for you. If we don't get 45 students, we lose money. That's how it works. That's why we need to be supplemented there. And anybody who, once you've taken this course, if you want to start teaching it, we give you all the PowerPoint slides, the entire electronic copy of the manual, and it's yours to reproduce as much as you want. And you can change it however you want. Just preserve the integrity of God's Word and good science. We will give it all away because we want other people who can teach this. We have the five-day Creation Apologetics Teachers College. This year, June or August 1st through 6th. If you know Christian school teachers, you need to get them there. Your churches may be able to sponsor you to go. It's in Ridgecrest Conference Center, North Carolina, beautiful conference center, probably the best in the country. We only take 60 students. We've had people ranging from 19 years old up to 80 years old in this class. Over 50% of our people now that have 
going through this are now teaching in their churches. Some are traveling around the country teaching out of demand. This is not fluff. I've mentioned that before. It's not fluff, not entertainment. This is serious work. That's why people come to this, because they don't see anything like this anywhere. This is not sitting around the table discussing things. You won't get that here. Ten hours a day in class and studying at night. You will not have find TVs there, so nothing else to do but study. The food is great. Three good meals a day, healthy meals. It's not like a cafeteria. You get to go through and pick and choose. Uh, we take pretty good care of you, but you're going to work for this. We have a 100% success rate out of these classes. No one has failed. It's not because it's easy, because I only educate for success. I don't tolerate failure. When I teach computers, Bible, mathematics, my goal is 80% or better, my students will get A's, and I achieve that. And my tests are very rigorous. They're always closed book, closed note. But I have a different way of teaching. It's called the Bible. And that's what we need to learn. We work as a team for nothing less than success. Because ladies and gentlemen, that's the way athletes train. I'm familiar with that. I used to be one. We don't train for failure. We don't train for mediocrity. I only train to win. And that's the way we want to train our students, to be winners. Everyone must be evangelists. I think I mentioned the other day, I'm now teaching a creation apologetics class. I do it one day a week. It's a brand new course. I wrote the course. It's at uh, Ambrose classical Christian school in the Boise, Idaho area. Every Tuesday, I've got to make sure I'm back home every Tuesday to teach this class. And there's only one exam they have to take, only one. And they take it as many times as they want. And I only take the best version of it. And it's verbal. That verbal exam, they must give me the full gospel starting in Genesis. The full thing, like we did this last session, the full gospel. Then they have to defend it because I'll ask them questions. They can take that 20 times if they want. But when they're done, we will have evangelists out of that class. People are not ashamed or afraid to go out and talk to their peers because they'll know how to answer the challenges and become witnesses. That's called real Christian education. We need $28,000 a year to put this class on. That's just to supplement the cost the students pay. It's $540 a student. Churches can afford that, sponsor somebody. They can do that. We need as many youth pastors as we can get to go to this class so they can come back. What a difference. Every youth pastor would get trained. They can, they can get more people than I can ever think about getting. They're in a very important position. Let's take advantage of it. So we need $28,000 a year. If you know any, anybody that helps with, help us with that, that's what we got to raise every year. Training. At CTI, we've trained over 100 Christians in our five-day course. We'll get another 60 this year. That's all we take. There's three of us that co-teach the course, so you don't have to put up with me for five straight days. The other two are nice. One is a, he's an author of books on presuppositional apologetics, pastor of a church of 500 in Ohio, also a very accomplished debater. He's debated the president of the American Atheist on numerous occasions, and he is a powerful teacher. Let me show you some of the information we've got, feedback we've gotten from that class. Since I was very young, I've been a Christian, but until I got to the CTI course, I did not realize how much false teaching had crept into my worldview. With the help of CTI, now I feel I can trust and defend the Bible. He just got his PhD in mathematics. 
He came believing in old earth. He left understanding his fallacy. This has been the best week of Bible lectures I've experienced, and I want to thank you for all the preparation and work. The Creation Apologetics Teachers College was what I hoped for and more. After studying the creation evolution subject for the past 15 years, it is only now, after this week, that I can really discuss the issues from a solid biblical foundation. These are very typical comments we get. The other comment we get is, this was the most intense class I've ever been to in my life, and I loved it. Now, got some good news for you. The sanctity of human life is another part of our implementation. It's going to be a video-based teaching course. The course will cover three specific areas. What the Bible teaches about the sanctity of human life, science and human life, and how to answer the many challenges from the pro-abortionist. We need to raise $15,000 to produce this. That's very cheap. We can do it very cheap. Good news, we've already raised $12,000. We're going to start this course in March. We're going to start developing this course in March. And the idea is get it out there. There will be a manual that comes with it. So if you don't know a lot about it, you can just show the videos, and you'll have the book, and people will be prepared to go out there and challenge the pro-abortionist and answer their challenges. We need to have this. If the university is going to do it, we'll just do it ourselves. And we can do it a lot cheaper than the universities. Four equipping courses. These are designed mostly for Christian students attending public schools, which is about 90% of our Christian student states still attend public schools. We had one of these about 14 years ago. We developed one of these and was highly successful. We had our Christian students going into the public schools, asking questions in the classroom, responding to the teacher's response, writing reports, and getting A's and B's, and actually changing some teachers' lives because they knew how to answer the questions. We're going to write one on, well, let me get to the background, train students, help students write reports, but we're going to write one on the origin of life. That's a winner. We should never lose that one because that's foundational to Darwin too, isn't it? The origin of humans and the mechanism for change. You know, mutations and natural selection do not help evolution at all. They hinder evolution. Anybody here want a mutation? We've got plenty of them in us. Just look at the person next to you. You've got plenty. I like conflict. <laughs> Thrive on that kind of stuff. <laughs> and natural selection, folks, is not what they claim it to be. Nothing really gets selected. It's called the information's already in you. It's pre-programmed in your DNA. See, natural selection is nothing more than something devised by man to do away with the power and intelligence of God. According to evolution, all the diversity on life we have here today was through natural selection. I thought it was through God. We're going to have one on dating methods, rocks and fossils. And then we're going to have one on how to refute compromise when you get to the Christian universities. Those are the four. Each one, about $25,000 to develop. That's pretty cheap for doing, doing something like that. We're going to consider the hundreds of millions of billions being sent, spent against us. We can do it a lot cheaper. The outcomes. Pastors, youth pastors, teachers, and parents will be equipped to teach biblical creation apologetics in their churches and schools. And the things that you have heard from me, 2 Timothy 2.2, will be carrying out that verse, literally. Thousands of high school students will have the knowledge to apply the big five, and this will give them a greater boldness to go out there and be evangelists for the gospel of Jesus Christ, because they won't be afraid of 
being asked questions. Those are the big five again. Our students have to have this. So, short lesson. How are we doing on time here? Almost done. Uh, give you an idea of what we're teaching our students. Critical thinking skills. Remember this one from, I know some of you were here yesterday when we had the students. How to focus on the words, not so much the evidence. Three critical thinking questions. We'll train them on those. Not hard questions. How you know it's true? They've been observed. Make any assumptions. We'll train them on the power question. Show me any observational evidence for evolution that does not require me to use faith. We'll teach them about fuzzy words and magic words. We believe, we think, must have, could have, might have. Our opinion is we guess over millions of years when scientists and evolutionists use those words, it means they have no observable evidence. We'll train them on magic words. Again, they have no observable evidence. We'll train them on red flag words such as all, everybody, no real scientists. I believe, I think, truth, fundamentalist. See, the first three express an absolute. Puts them in the position of being the authority. Who made them the authority? The next three express a personal idea. And the last are used to label an opponent. We'll train them on all these and how to respond to these. Red flag statements. People should decide for themselves what is right and wrong. Well, I just decided what you said was wrong. I decided for myself. <laughs> no one has the whole truth. See, that's a bad statement. should be no one has the whole truth, including what I just said. <laughs> that's true for you, but not for me. That's just your opinion. Abraham Lincoln, again. See, we need to know how to answer those challenges. Let me show you something else Abraham Lincoln said here. Shall we expect some transatlantic military giant to step the ocean and crush us at a blow? Never. All the armies of Europe, Asia, and Africa combined, with all the treasure of the earth, our own accepted, in their military chest, with a Bonaparte with a commander, could not by force take a drink from the Ohio or make a track on the Blue Ridge in a trail of a thousand, in a trial of a thousand years. Then he goes on to say this. At what point, then, is the approach of danger to be expected? I answer, if it ever reach us, it must spring up from amongst us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. That's America today. We are dying by suicide. Until the church steps up, we will continue to die. Hosea 4.6 My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Let's not forget our children. That's what's at stake. Our next generation in the very heart and soul of this nation for what it was founded upon. Isaiah 6.8 Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. We need teachers who are willing to step up. Get trained, and then you start training the next generation. If you want to help this project, be part of it. We have information out there. We're in a very small ministry. There's only four of us. That's all we need right now. We may grow to six because at some point in time, I need somebody who's going to replace me because I'm getting older. At some time, I really won't be able to do many push-ups anymore. <laughs> but that takes money too. We need somebody who's trained to take this and carry it on. 
training the next generation. If you think this is worthwhile, we need your help. First thing, pray about it, that you might be one of the teachers who can teach the little ones, the medium-sized ones, and the big ones. We need teachers all around. We need to stop complaining and take it on ourselves. That's who we are. If you want to contact us, we have the information out there. If you have any questions, I'll be available for any questions. This is a very serious issue now. It's a battle for the heart and soul of the nation. It's bigger than any war we've ever been in. But do we have the intestinal fortitude to step up and do this? To become what we used to be, one nation under God. Let's take that back. Thank you and God bless you.